and welcome to the July uh, Alia Graphic Roundup. Um, first, I would like to uh, acknowledge um, do the acknowledgement of country. So as a national group based across Australia, we would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we meet today. We would also like to pay our respects to elders past and present. Uh, my name is Gabby, uh, and I am joined today by James. Hi. And Marissa. Hello. <laughs> uh, it has been a busy, busy and big uh, two months in the comic graphic novel world. Uh, so we shall start off with some news. So, James, take it away. Um, well, yeah, definitely a big, big a uh, little bit just recently. We've just had um, San Diego Comic-Con. Um, that was uh, over the um, last weekend as we're recording. So I don't know exactly when it's going, but that was the 21st to 24th of July. Um, and included in that, as usual, were the Eisner Awards. Um, so the winners uh, for... Um, this year, um, all available on the uh, Comic-Con website, but uh, some of the um, uh, ones are Bitter Roots come through. Um, it's been one that a lot of people have been keeping their eyes on. Um, was up for a lot of new series awards two years ago, I think, and it's just uh, uh one best continuing series, but it has one in a tie with uh, something is killing the children um, from Boom Studios. Uh, so Bitterroot is by David F. Walker, Chuck Brown, and Sanford Green. Um, something is killing the children. James Tiny and the Fourth and Werther Del Edera. Um, so yeah, not often we see ties come up in the Eisners. So that's interesting. Um, and to go with what it was looking at for a lot of the ones um, previously, the current best new series is The Nice House on the Lake, um, also by James Tiny and the Fourth, um, and this time with Alvaro Martinez Bueno, um, and that's through DC Black Label. Um, and that's a horror one that's been getting a lot of um, lot of attention as well. Um, as I said, there are so many things for uh, for the um, so many categories for the Eisners. Um, well worth taking a look at the uh, website to see what they they all have. Um, it's nice that they are including op categories for younger readers as well. Yeah, yeah. So they've they've got um, so to go through. There's best short story, best single issue or one shot, uh, best continuing series, best limited series, best new series. Uh, then we've got best publication for early readers up to age eight. Uh, best publication for kids, 9 to 12. Best publication for teens, 13 to 17. So they really do break it up very um, very carefully. And if you're in a school library, definitely take a look at those because um, they're, they're all going to be ones that the kids are going to want to look at. And public library too. Um, and yeah, because I feel like these other categories, it's going to mostly be like teen or adult items showing up. Yeah, so it's so, nice that they have specifically for younger reader. Yeah, so there. so when you've got things like um, the graphic memoir, reality based work, um, these are usually aimed a bit older, um, and let's so um, 
Yeah, that's the Eisners. Um, that's all out. Um, the other thing that I really like the Eisners do is one of the awards is for best um, webcomic, which uh, this time has gone to Laura Olympus um, by Rachel Smythe. But I won't say any more about that now. Um, tension, dr- drama. <laughs> drama, tension, tension, oh, drama. Oh, suspense. Um, that's the word I was looking for, suspense. Um <laughs> And then coming up, so that happened last weekend, um, and then coming up in a couple of weeks, so the um, uh, 5th to the, no, the 6th and 7th of August, we have the Perth Comic Arts Festival happening here in Australia in, um, as you might have guessed, Perth. Um, And uh, that's where the Comic Arts Awards of Australia um, were uh, uh, announced. So you would have seen the shortlist came out earlier in the year, um, and we'll find out who the who the winners of the the different areas were for that. Um, and that's also a really good uh, a good one to keep an eye out for because um, that is of course all Australian work. So the um, creators of those comics need to either be Australian or be living in Australia or a significant amount of their their work has been done. Th- this work has been done in Australia. So um, all that. So um, you see big big names come through, like um, you know Tom Taylor, Nicholas Scott, who work for for DC and stuff like that. Um, they they're Australian, so they're eligible. But you also see um, very indie Australian ones that you might not um, might not uh, be in front of your eyes um, generally um, in libraries without this so definitely again one to keep an eye out on um and if you are in perth um go along to the perth comic arts festival um because it's free um there's lots of good stuff there's a um market hall and there's um talks and all that um and again um the information about that and the um link uh to their website will be on the um blog version of the uh of the roundup um so we'll see that uh so we'll see that then now i've got one other thing but i've probably talked for long enough now so hand it back to you guys and we can talk about the um the highlights from last month ah right yeah this this month uh the graphic medicine international collective uh which they are a non-profit organization and their mission is to guide and support the users of comics in health. So at the start of the year, they sort of released a shortlist of um, books uh, and they have awarded uh, the 2022 Graphic Medicine Award um, to Parenthesis by Elodie Durand. Um, so this uh, is a graphic memoir um, about uh, the author's experience with a tumour-related epilepsy and sort of her journey um, through her diagnosis and and um, her treatment and losing herself and finding herself. And I think it's really interesting because there's so many awards for different things that we don't necessarily think about. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so that is the Graphic Medicine Award of uh, 2022. 
And it looks like that's something to keep even more of an eye out on because this is their first time giving the yeah, award, award, right? Yes. And there was something about they're hoping to add additional categories from next year onwards or something like that. Yes, I think I think I did read that. Um, um, yeah, so, so um, they're single award this year, but they're um, hoping to to expand the the number of categories um, in the the future. Um, but I mean, for now, there's a full shortlist that was released um, and and the single winner um, for this year. And yeah, parenthesis looks like a really interesting book as well. Um, well haven't haven't had a chance to read it but it has been on my radar for quite a while now yeah i think when it when i saw the original list at the start of the year i was like oh that will be one to have a look at but i haven't got around to it but now i probably will try and hunt that down hmm. um, um and uh if you're for anyone who's interested in listening to our other other stuff the um uh one of the webinars that we did um, that is up on our YouTube channel um, where people talked about different aspects um, and you would have heard one of the speakers was Matthew No. Um, he's one of the founding members of um, Graphic Medicine, of the Graphic Medicine International Collective. So, yeah, library connection in there as well, which is really good. Cool. All right, okay. Marissa. Yay, now it's my turn. Woo. So... Uh, slightly roundabout back to San Diego Comic Con. One of the cool things about this con, like some of the other really big conventions, is that lots of announcements get made because there's a big audience to be excited about whatever gets announced. And there's a couple that I'm really excited about. I don't know if any of you grew up watching shows like Darkwing Duck or Gar Gargoyles. They were kind of a highlight of my childhood. And I am excited with the news that Dynamite Entertainment has picked up both series to continue as print comics. I'm not sure if it will be quite the same without the Darkwing Duck music. But I am excited for both of them. Either way. Hopefully, if they release as an ebook, they'll package the oh, the theme music in. Oh my goodness! I didn't think of that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or if all else fails, read the comic while listening to the uh, soundtrack through some other internet streaming of music source. And another cool thing is there is a an older manga series called Saint Seiya, or Knights of the Zodiac, that I think was originally published in Japan in the 1980s or 1990s. It was one of the vaguely Sailor Moon time frame era that has a really big following around the world. It's not as well known in English speaking countries because the print versions haven't really had good English language adaptations, but there, there have been animes and so forth over time. And at Comic-Con, they announced that there will be a Saint Seiya live action movie. 
Apparently, Sony and Toei have formed a partnership to hype up pretty much everything Saint Seiya. And wonder of wonders, they have picked the actor for the male main character as someone that is not white. (gasps) I am very happy that there is an Asian American actor playing an Asian character. So this will be something to look out for. And I will probably be watching that first look video teaser trailer thing multiple times over the next week. Now that we've gotten through the news, now to segue over to new releases. You want to go first, James? I can, yeah. So um, we've got another one coming out from uh, this one. It's called Eat the Rich by Sarah Gailey Pius Back, um, and it's through Boom Studios. Um, and this is an interesting one. Um, it's I've heard a bit of bit of uh, stuff um, about it, and it sounds like it's going to be really a really fun um, thing. It's in the growing genre of capitalism horror. So it's a Ooh. horror. Um, it's it's using the um, horror genre to uh, to deal with um, to comment on on capitalism, which. Um, as as a lot of the reviews have been saying, feels like the appropriate way to deal with to, to look at capitalism. Um, so yeah, so that should be a really interesting one. I've it's been getting some good reviews. Started being published in May, and I think this is the trade paperback, the first the first trade or something. Um, I will I will be honest. I um, did not do not remember and did not have that open because I've been. In the post-COVID or the long-COVID brain fog, so um, yeah, it's it looks interesting. Lots of people have been talking about it. That's probably me done. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that is that's okay. Um, I'll go uh, with uh, my new release pick for the month. Uh, is called "The Girl and the Glim" by India Swift. Um, so it's for ages nine plus, so that middle school uh, sort of uh, age group. Uh, So it's centred around a girl called Bridget and she is um, starting out a new school and she's not having a good time um, making any impression, um, good, bad or otherwise. Um, So it's it's mainly awkward. Um, But then these creatures start to appear. Um, but only creatures she can see. And some are very scary and one is very, very cute. Um, But she has to figure out what's happening um, and pretty fast or something will happen with the town. Um, And the front cover has got me in. (laughs) There's little Bridget on the front holding, holding this little creature and then her shadow is all of these, the dark, nasty creatures. Um, so, yeah, the illustrations look very beautiful. Um, and I am looking forward to reading it. Um, nice. So, yeah, that's that's my pick for the month. Cool. Marissa, you stole my book that I wanted to talk about. Yes. Well, <laughs> I currently have a copy of it. So in do the I. House. Same. Okay, fine. 
<laughs> so uh, remember how James mentioned Lower Olympus and gave some drama. Here's part of the drama that the both just wanted to talk about it. About it. <laughs> uh, so the new release that I have claimed dibs on because I can <laughs> is Lore Olympus Volume 2. So Rachel Smythe, I think it's Smythe, has been just tearing up the charts with this series that started out as a webcomic and is still very proudly a continuing webcomic that can, in theory, be read for free if you feel like going through one page at a time vertical scroll on your phone. But it has also now become a bestseller as a print version with the fantastic art style and the very interesting color palette involved for it. And the fact that it is at the core Hades and Persephone in modern times, plus other members of the Pantheon. And it's just in that sweet spot of there's history involved, but also it's a lot more modern day. So it's a lot more approachable and dear goodness. It is so fun. <laughs> it's so good. So oh. good. Oh. And I know that volume three has been announced. I don't remember when it's coming out, but I feel like it's this year. Yes, I think it is this year because my local library has been able to put in a reservation for it on my behalf. So I will be waiting with bated breath for it to come out. Yes, yes I, um, I went straight to the bookstore near my work and I was like, I need you to reserve this for me. And I was offended. They only had, they were only getting in two copies. I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) I was like, please put me down for one immediately or else I may panic. Yeah, this is one Um, that I I haven't been across. (laughs) I I must get get onto it. It was, I was um, reading Punderworld, which I don't know if you know that one. It is a webcomic turned physical comic that continues to be a webcomic about Hades and Persephone. Um, But it's, it's, Following much the same stuff, it's not um, modernised. It's it's um, no, not not um, certainly not in the same way. Um, and I just got, I didn't realise that there was a second one that was along that similar similar line for a while. Um, oh yeah. right, this one, That's yes. One. And I, I remember some of the images from the Ponderworld series have become memes. They have, yes. Mm. Like the one of. Hades, hold my flower. I'm going to go beat up this person that made me mad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's um, that's also done quite well. So that one's by Linda Sedgwick, I think. Um, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and um, but yeah, so I'll have to. Um, I know. I know my library does have Laura Olympus, um, so I'm volume one. So I'm going to um, to read that soon. Oh, please, please do. Like, like, like all the other books <laughs> that, that I'm desperately yeah. wanting to read, yep. and yep. it goes on my soon list. Which, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I saw something. It was quite funny the other day. It was like, uh, oh, thank you for that uh, 
new new release. It will go on my to be read list. It will be, it'll take between fifty to five hundred and fifty days. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Which like yeah, it's the yeah. um the the old saying that there is definitely um a separation and not necessarily a correlation <laughs> between the hobby of reading books and the hobby of buying books. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like I get them, and then they just anyway, sit on my bookshelf. But mm. yes. um, shall we continue onward to our recent reads, the things that we actually managed to get off <laughs> of our <laughs> red stack <laughs> and into the stack of victory that we have read? Them? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's I'm well. I'm happy to start with that. Um, I've been reading Magus of the Library, which is a fun um, manga um, by Mitsu Izumi. Um, and don't be thrown off by the fact that on the front cover it says based on Catherine of the Wind by Sophie Schwimm because weirdly, even though it's on the cover of the book and everything, this is – that's an in-world thing. So um, it's get, it gets a lot of people confused. Um, and basically, like, to, I had to – I wanted to um, – I looked it up and uh, because I was like, oh, okay, it's based on something. I'll I'll see – no, it's it's apparently that's an in-world thing. I'm not up to where that becomes a thing that they talk about, but mm. um, yeah, um, and it follows a, um, a young boy who um, is different and picked on. It's a kind of fantasy world, um, very um, Arabian Nights. Um, uh, style to the world but um with also some much more western and some much more japanese stuff thrown in um but it creates quite a cohesive world um and in this world seven um librarians um in ancient times um saved the world from a great evil um and it happened to be one from each of the seven main races of the of the world um so like elves and pixies and all of this sort of stuff um and now librarians books and reading and librarians are um incredibly well respected um though there are multiple but so many things in this i could relate to um the uh multiple times they talk about how um the uh, you know, why would this this boy want to become a librarian when he could be a you know he, he loves words? So why doesn't he become a novelist or a bookmaker or something like that? Because um, you know the librarians they get paid. They call the librarians kafna um, in the central library, and then they have librarians other ones that do um, do library the branches, the library branches um, which run throughout the world. Um, but yeah, they make comment on on why would he want to do that? They don't get paid well. Um, I've just reached the point where he's taking the entrance test, um, and they—it's a—they have to basically fulfil a novel-sized answer book um, in three days, um, because—and it's called the nightmares—is um, like what they call this this test. Um, uh, and yeah, basically they're trying to weed out the ones that that can't manage the workload that librarians have. And I'm like, oh, I can relate so hard to that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I'm really interested to see where what happens next because he's he's finished the physical part and he's getting on to the to the next parts and that's where I'm I'm up to. So he's he's met them, 
journeyed through the to the central library and now he's taking the entrance test. So we'll see where it goes from there. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, so yeah. makers of the library by Mitsu Izumi. Cool. Sounds quite fun. Yeah. Mm. Um, I have recently finished uh, the Bee Apple Diaries by Alyssa Bermudez. Uh, I've been on reserve for it from my library for quite a number of months, and I finally got it in. So I was like, woo! Um, uh, so, yes, we have – you've probably heard Alyssa's name before on our podcast. She was did a creative chat with us. Um, so, yes, Big Apple Diaries, it is – uh, adapted from her her diaries growing up in New York, um, starting m- middle school and you know just growing up in life and um, dealing with some heavy themes there at the end of uh, the September 11 uh, bombings uh, in New York. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's such a great middle grade novel perspective of just growing up and, and sort of figu- figuring sure the life it, out. <laughs> and I'm sure it makes the the content a lot more approachable for non-American okay. audiences in terms of seeing how things just kind of That's got right. turned upside down mm-hmm. or a little bit weirdly sideways. Yeah. Um, so I know it's, it's such a, such a great read and you just feel like you are, like with her along the journey and you're like, Oh, I can relate to those things. And, Oh, you know, that's a bit different. And so, yeah, it's a great one. Uh, great middle grade. And, and it's just the one volume standalone, right? It's not intended yes. as yeah. a series or anything. No. Yeah. I mean, that one, I think that was, uh, that made it into the shortlist for the yeah. um, comic arts awards that's- Australia as well. So um, I'm going to start with one that is technically not a graphic novel, but it is, it has wonderful illustrations, and if you don't have it in your life, you need it in your life soon. It is called Noodle and the No Bones Day, and it is about this fantastic TikTok famous rescue pug named Noodle, and the book itself is a very easy to understand explanation of self-care surprisingly enough you start out thinking oh look it's a cute pug and it sleeps in a suitcase sometimes but then you get to the part where the the author of the book is the person that adopted this this pug and he talks about noodle setting boundaries through the bones and no bones days where Noodle has his no bones day and doesn't want to go out and do things, would rather stay inside and do quiet tasks versus the days where Noodle has bones and is okay with going out and having small or medium or large adventures. And it's really nice with the way it's phrased. It's really easy to understand those concepts of well, maybe you just don't want to have big adventures. You'd rather do small things at home sometimes, and that's okay, which is pretty cool. And also, Noodle. Noodle's so cute. He is. He is. Little Noodle. 
little noodle. Um, in terms of actual officially considered graphic novel things, uh, I have read two very different series recently. Um, in a recent podcast, I mentioned a new title that had that was coming up soon called Crazy Food Truck. And I have read the first volume of it, and oh my goodness, it is it is something else. Very much not a teen or below series. So school librarians, do not put this on your shelf, please. And don't mention it to your students because they might go adventuring and try and find it behind your back. But the series is pretty fantastic in terms of being something like Mad Max with a food truck. It's in some kind of strange future future post-apocalyptic something or other where the oceans are pretty much gone and the fish have had to adapt to live in the sand instead or something like that. And the with so much less water around, people are in like small scattered enclaves instead of bigger cities. And the main character is an ex-military guy that drives a food truck and knows how to like fish in the sand for these weird fish critters and do all kinds of other tasks related to making food happen. And the uh, book starts out with him discovering a woman passed out asleep in an air-conditioned sleeping bag. He ends up taking her with him for the adventures, and um, by their powers combined, it is so much chaos. (laughs) And so much food, and even more chaos. There's action, there's adventure, there's recipes, sort of. And I love the um, uh, the description for this series, that is, um, every, every um, thing that I've seen of it written always opens with um, zero customers, a naked young lady, and an armed militia. Just another post-apocalyptic day for this food truck owner. Like, how can you not want to read it after that? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> it's very silly. <laughs> really, it is. And I've also been reading Way of the House Husband. I'm not sure how many of you have heard of this series, but it is one of my favorites. The basic idea is Tatsu, the immortal dragon, retires from the Yakuza. To become a house husband. He ends up. um, I think they're officially married. Or at least partners. I don't remember details. But his partner is a woman. That does. I think some form of. Like web designer. Consulting type thing. Not sure. She's the one that has an office job. And. Your chapters as you go along for this manga is Tatsu approaching tasks with a Yakuza mindset. (laughs) And 
His regular outfit pretty much always includes sunglasses, because of course, and an apron with a Shiba Inu on it. <laughs> I am uncertain why this is his house husband uniform, but it is. And there are so many situations where he's going about getting things done and just his uh, phrasing and body language and so forth terrifies whoever else he's with. And then it turns out that, you know, yes, he phrased it in that way that terrifies people thinking he is a Yakuza, he's going to kill things. But uh He's going through life doing house husband related things. I think at one point there was a friend of his that was trying to run a crepe stand. And that was some adventure. There's a cat. I think they, I think Tatsu and his partner have a cat. Um, there are interactions with those that are in rival Yakuza groups. I think at some point there's a cat cafe and just all sorts of situations where his intense Yakuza style mindset just makes it absolutely comedic as he's going through these things. And oh, by the way, the partner, uh, what's your name? Miku, I think, is a really, really big fan of a particular anime series for this, like, imaginary series that is, like, Polycure or something like that, where it's adorable policewoman characters beating up bad guys and... <laughs> That just adds more to it. <laughs> it's magnificent. It sounds and amazing. I was going to say, yes. I, yes. when you started talking about it, I was like, this sounds familiar, and it's on Netflix also. Yes, there's a, an, there's a live action and an anime, no, and I need them both in my life. Yeah, the live action, like, so yeah, live action from Japan, and Netflix created the the animated version. So is it still yeah. an anime when Netflix makes it without any... Uh, Japanese creating it. Yeah, yeah. It's the art style. It's something that I've I've never been quite sure about. Is how much is the art style and how much is cultural stuff behind the art style and all of this and how much of ah. that needs to be involved for it to still be anime? Can an American company produce like? Does that make sense? Because I because I yeah. do remember when Avatar came out, the Avatar: The Last Airbender, when that first came out, that. Um, you know, and they talked about it as Nickelodeon doing anime, and lots of people went, "Well, it's not anime because it's not because it's a bunch of white guys sitting around and doing it." Yeah, um, but it certainly was a lot of the stylistic elements were um, much more in that way. So it's something that I was I was not sure about. I'm going to guess that it still counts as anime because the core content is. It's come manga. from manga into yeah. this, and they're sticking mm -hmm. with those styles. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, mm. that would be my thought for it. And apparently there's also some live-action movie-type stuff in addition to the 
drama TV series type things, maybe. And mm. I need it to be on another platform besides <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> One day. One day. One day. We can only hope. On that note, <laughs> do you want before, to do our... Before oh. we finish, we oh, should yes. probably... Um, we, you know, we missed we missed last month doing our podcast wrap up. So, um, yes. and there was quite a bit of interesting stuff in there. Um, so, that is of course available on our um, on the blog. Okay. Uh, so you just scroll down from from here till you get back to to June. Yes. Um, right. And of course, June being Pride Month, um, one of the big things that we we had um, we put together a list of um, comics for Pride Month um, that we that can we were recommended um, uh, as as good good ways to engage um, if you if you're looking for stuff for the library to pick up. Um, and we did also um, make sure we noted when there are Australian creators in the stuff that we we had. So there's combination of fiction, non-fiction, um, uh, different audiences. Yeah, different audiences. Uh, there's there's some manga. There's some western. There's some um, uh, yeah, some some much more serious, some much lighter. Um, and there's plenty in there that the um, so some of it obviously the um, it's a very big focus, um, but also some of it the focus is on other things, and it just happens to have queer characters queer relationships um in, included which is which is important as well just it's a normal part of of how the world works so um yeah do please take a look at that list if you um if you're interested um and get some from the from the li- from your for your library if you if you can i've got some other things here did you guys have anything from last month that you wanted to to chat about or hmm. Because while you're while you're thinking, I will mention that um, I'm feeling particularly old because um, Harley Quinn has turned thirty. Uh, so yeah, it makes me feel that. old. And of course, she turned thirty um, last month. Um, her thirtieth anniversary special um, came out, um, and she's um, really interesting character. Um, and again, this is a, this is a fairly, fairly big, um, moment, um, for her, um, really with Suicide Squad stuff recently, um, and the, um, resurgence that she's had over the last couple of years, not that she really went anywhere, but, but she's really been getting a lot of attention in the comics last couple of years as well. So, uh, again, definitely one to the, the 30th um anniversary special definitely one to to consider getting um it will probably probably walk off the shelves pretty pretty well oh yeah speaking of things walking off the shelves wasn't there also that um the the new series starting up that's kind of behind the scenes of comics but not yes so that's um public domain yeah by Chip Zdarsky, yes, which I hope I'm saying that correctly. I'm I'm probably not. 
surname starting with ZD. I'm going, I'm probably not saying that right. Um, and unfortunately, I haven't seen him interviewed enough to hear his name said. I've only seen it written. <laughs> the problem with either being way, a reader. <laughs> the series is just now starting. Volume one came out in June. And yeah, it's interesting that it's kind of looking at struggles for creators mm. of these comic books yeah. and of these characters. Yeah, and intellectual ownership and um yeah. the the rights that um that have been hard fought by by comic creators and yeah. As as one of the descriptions for it says, it's focusing on the battle between creators and corporations. So yeah, that one looks like it'll be interesting. I wonder how frequently we'll get new episodes of it. Or episodes, volumes, issues? Issues, volumes, yes. Issues. How, much new, how above. often we'll get new content? content. <laughs> that one. Yes, that. <laughs> um. Yes, well, the last big one that I can think of was Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky, um, and that was Sex Criminals, and that was notorious for being uh, somewhat sporadic in its okay. um, updating. I'm going to hope it won't be as sporadic as Hunter Hunter or Gigi no Kitoro or some of the other Japanese ones that... Have their on again, off again moments. Mm. Entirely too many off again moments, but we'll see how that goes. And on that note, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you for joining us, listening to us. Uh, yeah, it's been a very, very busy, very busy two months. Uh, so remember, you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, check out our YouTube, and uh, take a look at our website. Um, for all of the roundups, um, so this month and July. Um, and thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to Allier Graphic Podcast. Hit the subscribe button on our YouTube page and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Allier Graphic, email us at info at gmail.com and check our blog, alliagraphic.blogspot.com for updates, monthly roundups of news and new release titles.